you know, one thing I've learned from, from champions in, in the sports arena is they look at practice as everything. So, you know, instead of trying to get up for the big day, they're, they're focused on getting up for today's practice. Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I'm stoked you've decided to join me on this journey to bring about a massive and positive change in the lives of others. Every week, you're going to join me behind closed doors, where I will introduce you to entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators from a variety of industries to learn how their contributions are impacting the lives of others and how they are having a game-changing impact in the world. Thanks for investing your time with me today. Now, Brace for Impact. You and I are a lot alike. We're busy and sometimes we get stuck and we need tools to help us get unstuck. And this is why I'm such a huge fan of the Unstuck app. And you can go back and listen to episode one to hear why. But today I'm even more pumped because the Unstuck team has just launched an online platform called Life Courses to help us make a change in our lives by first helping us understand what's holding us back and then helping design a personalized action plan for moving forward. I just started the first Life Course myself and it's a high impact, awesome experience, something you and I can do together. I know what you're saying, I'm too busy and still Life Courses is designed specifically for busy people like you and me, and you're worth it, I'm worth it. So head over to unstuck.com forward slash impact and sign up today. I'd love to hear back from you. Send me your stories via email at info at theimpactentrepreneur.net or the Impact Entrepreneur Show Facebook page. And of course, we will link to all of this awesomeness in the show notes. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Mike Flynn. I hope you have learned a tremendous amount about the champion's mindset and the greatness we all possess over the last five weeks. The sixth and final round of the Champion's Mindset series is with Dr. Jim Aframau. Dr. Aframau is the peak performance coordinator for the San Francisco Giants, as well as the author of The Champion's Comeback, How Great Athletes Recover, Reflect, and Reignite, and The Champion's Mind, How Great Athletes Think, Train, and Thrive. His website is goldmedalmind.net and can be followed on Twitter at goldmedalmind. Jim is the founder of Good to Gold Medal, a leading coaching and consulting practice. And though it is located in Phoenix, Arizona, Jim provides individual and team mental training services across the globe to athletes, teams, and coaches in all sports, as well as to parents, business professionals, and all others engaged in highly demanding endeavors. He is passionate about helping others achieve peak performance, personal excellence, and reaching their true potential. For over 15 years, Jim has assisted numerous high school, collegiate, recreational, and professional athletes. Major sports represented include the MLB, the NBA, the WNBA, the PGA Tour, the LPGA Tour, the NHL, and the NFL. In addition, 
he has mentally trained several U.S. and international Olympic competitors. He served as the staff mental coach for two international Olympic teams, the Greek Olympic softball team and India's Olympic field hockey team. From 2004 to 2013, he served as a senior staff member and counseling services and sports medicine at Arizona State University. Jim is a member of the Association for Applied Sports Psychology, the American Counseling Association, and the Arizona Psychoanalytic Society. He has an extensive history of professional activity, including conference presentations, corporate workshops, and publications in top journals and peer-reviewed publications, including the Journal of Sport and Exercise Psychology and Olympic Coach Magazine. He has also served as an expert blogger on the mental side of athletics for psychology today. Bust out your pens and paper. There's a lot of information here. Take some notes. Brace for impact. Dr. Jim Aframo, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I am really excited to include you in the Champions Mindset Series. In fact, you are going to be the last episode and last conversation in the series where we have will have interviewed five amazing champions who are pursuing great things, not only on the field of sport, but also in life and in entrepreneurship. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Mike. Great to be with you. Looking forward to a fun conversation. As uh, you and I were just talking, um, if you could pick any superpower, what would it be and how would you use it? You know, I'd probably say focus. Something related to focus would probably be my number one superpower. Uh, And what I mean by that is, you know, we we tend to be... uh, uh, scattered. And when we're scattered, we're not at full power. And so by using focus as a as a superpower, we're going to be at full power in all other areas, um, you know, in terms of our abilities and skills. So, you know, in terms of what we can do to build that, uh, we could all work on that, which is the good news, you know, whether with meditation, focusing strategies, refocusing skills, things like that. Do you have a story of one of your athletes where you've seen that superpower in in play? Usually you hear it when it's not in play. So, you know, I I didn't have my A game today. Well, you know, tell me more about that. And usually it's, you know, I was scattered. I was thinking about things off the field. You know, I made a mistake and I was dwelling on it instead of letting it go and moving on to the next play. So, you know, that's a typical complaint that I hear, you know, and off the field as well. You know, I had a bad day. I was dwelling on, you know, I had a fight with my girlfriend or boyfriend. You know, I, um, you know, I was thinking about what happened, you know, during the last, you know, business deal instead of focusing on this business deal. And so it's it's all about being here, being now and being our best. That's really fascinating. I do want to talk about the idea of of dwelling on our mistakes and stuff a little bit later in the conversation. But, you know, as in your role coaching these these athletes and helping them become peak performers you're no doubt having an, an amazing impact in their lives but i'm sure you've had your own mentors and coaches that have impacted you can you tell us a story about a mentor or a coach that's shaped your outlook and how you approach things you know i've been pretty fortunate to have you know good parenting good coaches uh, good professors and teachers but 
you know, to be honest, it's, it's my clients, you know, they're my mentors. And, you know, obviously I have some things to bring to the table uh, or they wouldn't be meeting with me, but you know, it's every day I learn something new and it might be just a new way of saying what I already, you know, talk about, but you know, and, and that's, what's great about sports or, you know, or, or being an athlete in the boardroom is, you know, you're, you're able to try out all of these mental skills and strategies uh, in real time and get instant feedback. And so, you know, I can just think about one pro baseball player told me, uh, I asked him how he dealt with mistakes. And he looked at me strangely and he said, well, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, you make a mistake in the field or a throwing error, or you're, you know, you're at bat and it's not as successful at bat. How do you handle that? And he looked at me and he said, you know, I, I've never made a mistake. And I was waiting for him to laugh and he didn't laugh. And so I'm thinking, okay, what's this guy's deal here? And so I asked him more about it. And he said, you know, to be honest, when I make a mistake, I pretend it didn't happen. And I've never heard that before because, in, you know, in sports psychology, we talk about have a short term memory for failure. This guy was basically telling me he had no memory for failure. You know, and it's pretty elegant strategy. So if I pretend that it doesn't happen, I don't get that fight flight response going. I'm, you know, I'm not going to get upset about it and look defeated, which could affect my, you know, the next play or could affect my teammates, you know, but here's what he did really well with that, you know, is on the back end. I said, well, how about after the game? How'd you look at, you know, whatever happened during the game? And he said, you know, I just thought about what adjustments I need to make for the next game. So he took the emotion out of it. He took the shame out of it. He took the embarrassment out of it, you know, the guilt out of it. And I thought that was a really cool strategy. So when I hear things like that, it's like, okay, you're kind of helping me too. You know, we're, we're, you're, I'm, you know, hoping to mentor you, you're, you're mentoring me because that's a new way of looking at how to handle, you know, what's going to happen out there every day. So I, I got a big kick out of that story. That's really fascinating. I mean, is that something, um, and maybe we can, in, we can get into more of the psychology behind that in a minute, but is, is that something that like, if you have a, a very choleric kind of a personality, very sanguine, outgoing, extroverted type of personality that tends to be emotional. Is that something that anybody can do? Or do you have to kind of have more of a pragmatic, laid back kind of approach to life in order to tap that? You know, I think it's, it's, you know, self-awareness is the key to change. So understanding yourself and, you know, and I, and I, and I like what you're saying, you know, a lot of times it's staying within your basic personality type. But it's also having different options and, and playing around with them and, you know, giving them a test run and seeing what works best for you in different situations. So, you know, like, you know, imagine we're on the golf course and, you know, and you hit a poor shot. Well, you know, we could overreact. Uh, no one after a round of golf is ever going to say, you know, I'm glad I overreacted. I wish I did it more often out there. But there's so there's different ways to handle it. it could be, well, you know, let's pretend that didn't happen. You know, easier said than done, but there's some strategies for doing that. Uh, or to laugh it off. And, you know, and, 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 and that, this is where self-talk, one of the, the key mental skills comes into play where, you know, you tell yourself, you know, I'm going to start loving the next shot instead of hating this last shot. Hmm. Hmm. Very, very fascinating. You know, you've written a couple of great books about being a champion. You're the peak performance coordinator for the San Francisco Giants. You've worked with Olympic athletes. But why? What was the impact moment that launched you on this path? We, we want to know why you're doing what you're doing. 
I've always been interested in psychology, you know, what, what helps people tick and how to help people tick better is, you know, kind of what sports psychology is all about. It's the science of success. So when I started reading journal articles, I was more in experimental psychology in graduate school. Uh, and when I started reading journal articles about visualization and positive self-talk and relaxation strategies and, you know, body language, the importance of body language on mood and performance. That got me really, really interested in the field of sports psychology. And so I shifted gears there and uh, ended up also pursuing a, a master's degree. So I have a doctorate in sports psychology and a master's degree in counseling because, you know, it, a lot of it is also kind of what's going on in our personal life that's going to affect our performance too. So I wanted to be able to work with the whole athlete, the whole person. But it just fascinates me that, you know, the way I say it in the champion's mind is that no one has a champion's mind gene. We could all learn to think, feel, and act like a champion. And why not? Why not? And, you know, the motto of the book is think gold and never settle for silver. And I think too often we settle for our silver self, you know, like, oh, that was good enough or that was okay. And, you know, there's times to say that. But there's other times to say, you know, good isn't good enough. You know, I'm going for gold here yeah, because it's it's your life. It's, you know, it's your shot. It's your business. It's your career. So, you know, that's what gets me excited. And so when I'm working with people that are talking about that in their own life and wanting to get better at what they do and enjoy, you know, what they do more, that just makes me feel switched on. Hmm. You, you mentioned body language a, a moment ago and, and how that plays into peak performance. And... And I wonder, like the you know about the mind-body connection between somebody who's not not mentally prepared, like not they're struggling mentally with what they're about to do, and yet you know there's this whole idea of they need to fake it until they make it, so to speak, and so they 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 take on a certain facade in their body language of dominance or whatever. What, what's your what are what are your theories about that? As it, as it relates to the, the field of play and, and business. It's so important um, in all areas of life. You know, not only your body language is affecting your mood, so it's kind of like fake it till you make it, but also fake it till you feel it. Because when you start acting confident, it's easier to feel confident. So what you're doing is you're sending a message to yourself that I can do this. The neat thing is it's not just for show. Research has shown that your testosterone level goes up and your cortisol or stress hormones start going down. And so basically you are more confident. Um, you are more focused. You are able to handle the task at hand better, whether, you know, it's a cognitive, you know, kind of mental task or more of a physical, you know, uh, strength task. And so it's important for yourself in terms of body language, you know, because a lot of times when we're tired, we start acting tired. You know, like if we're tired driving, we start, you know, slouching in the in the in the car, in our seat or at, at our office desk. And so, you know, if you sit up straight, you know, put a big smile on your face, it's not going to make everything perfect, but it's certainly going to help. You know, in performance situations, it's also what it, it's sending a message, you know, called body language. What are you saying to your opponents? What are you saying to your teammates? And so... When you act confident, basically you're saying, you know, I've got this, you know, let's go. You know, I might not have, you might have got me on that last play. I'm going to get you on the next play. If your body language is down, basically you're telling the other team, beat me now. I, I wonder how the subconscious kind of c 
comes into play here because I've been list- I was listening to something the other day about, and I'm not an expert, obviously, I'm not a psychologist, but about how your subconscious is always on mm-hmm. and always taking in information. And it's important to constantly prime that uh, so that it becomes what, I mean, essentially it comes down to the, the whole concept of you are what you think about. Mm-hmm. And even when you're not quote unquote thinking, when you're sleeping, uh, how, how can we go about piggybacking on what you were just saying, training our subconscious or feeding our subconscious to perform like a champion? Usually, you know, it's again, it goes back to self-awareness and usually it's, you know, am I in a good state of mind? And so it's, it's checking in with yourself. And if you're feeling defeated, you're feeling stressed, you're probably going to default. And, and by that, I mean, our, our brain is hard, hardwired to focus on negatives uh, for survival purposes. And so if you're not feeling your best, then it's, it's, it's important to say, okay, what am I thinking? And, you know, what am I thinking right now? And it's usually probably something negative. And so what champions do is instead of just going with that and saying, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm not good at this, or maybe I'll just have a better attitude tomorrow. You know, they, they call time out and say to themselves, no, I'm not going in that direction. I'm going in this other direction. And so we start talking to ourselves in a positive way instead of listening to ourselves in a negative way. And so again, it goes back to the power of self-talk that can really start affecting how we look at things until we start building up enough mental muscle so that that becomes more of the dominant response. It's really fascinating, you know, and, and I, I think that we live in this culture now where it's kind of frowned upon to pump yourself up and to wear a certain confident body language and, you know, maybe think greater about what your current reality is. And it's kind of frowned upon in certain circles. And I just think about my own self with my own exercise routines, I do CrossFit, and sometimes those workouts are incredibly challenging. Uh, not sometimes, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Uh, and and I find myself when I go in and like I take a moment by myself to jack myself up a little bit and pump myself up and and get excited about crushing the workout. I have a, I have a significant amount of more energy. Things seem. There, there seems to be less friction or resistance, and and I think it's something that we can all learn more about. And your first book kind of goes into that on how great athletes think and train and thrive in the mental game, and and that why that matters the most. And so that kind of leads me into a few questions, which which are why are these athletes the ones that excel in this champion's mindset cut from a different cloth relative to the athletes that maybe just possess natural talent or abilities? That's that's one question. And then another natural question is, how do these athletes think, train, and thrive? And then what is the process of coaching and developing peak performance in others? Great questions. And, you know, Michael, can I uh, rewind a minute here to what you said about, you know, when, when someone's acting like a champion, you know, that can be a turnoff. And, you know, often we get knocked on the head, you know, whether by coaches, parents or others, you know, in terms of, 
uh, well, don't be cocky. You know, be con- so we get a lot of mixed messages like be confident, but don't be cocky. You know, have big dreams, but be realistic. And I think that's important to take a step back and realize that socialization, by definition, wants everyone to be average. And so when someone's trying to stand apart, people aren't going to like that. And so what we tend to do is, or, you know, the, the natural tendency is just to start thinking that way in our own head. So we tone it down on the outside and then we start toning down our attitude on the inside. And that's the problem. You know, you could be ultimate sportsman or sportswoman on, on the outside, but on the inside, it's, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to bury this team today. You know, I'm going to crush my opponent today, or I'm going to get this project done better than anyone's ever done it before. You know what I mean? So yeah. the problem is when we start hearing those messages from society to, you know, know your place, know your role, you know, don't, don't, you know, act like you've been there before, all those kind of things. That's good. That's okay. You know, we got to fit in with others, but on the inside, you know, keep your confidence at a high level, keep your, you know, keep having those big ideas and dreams and goals. Well, and I think that speaks to, you know, kind of your first question, where's, you know, where do champions come from? And it's, you know, a lot of times, you know, the, the greatest athletes I've been fortunate to work with in business professionals and, you know, musicians and, you know, in, in, in any demanding endeavor have told me that, you know, someone in their life, was that person that said, you know, why not you? Why not now? Why, you know, go for gold, you know, it literally go for a gold medal. And so they had someone that really believed in them. And, you know, I think it's, it often starts from there. Now, a lot of times, you know, if we don't have that, we got to, you know, at the end of the day, we, we got to get to the point where we are the ones that believe in ourselves. Um, but it really helps to have that solid foundation. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-275. 2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. One of the things I was I was uh, going to say when you were talking about being separated from separating yourself from the community or the tribe or the expectations of others, that's a challenge for me. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, that are kind of like myself. And this is something that I, being a type A extroverted person, can struggle with. I I have a hard time uh, necessarily separating myself from the tribe or from the community because I don't like to be alone and I want to be rallied by others and I want to rally others. And I think that this conflict, this friction can actually be a, a great hurdle that people that including myself need to overcome in order to realize our true potential and our, our greatness as champions. Yeah. You know, I I could give you a, a, a small example of when I see this in a sporting context, um, you know, one thing I've learned from from champions in 
in the sports arena is they look at practice as everything. So, you know, instead of trying to get up for the big day, they're, they're focused on getting up for today's practice. And if they could get up for today's practice often enough, the big game will be just like practice. They don't need to get up for it. And they'll be right where they need to be mentally and emotionally. So when I work with athletes on this, I'll ask them about, you know, tell me about your approach to practice. And when they're being honest with me, the response is, you know, hey, I just try to get through practice today. And so when I challenge them, you know, like, how can you get the most out of practice today? And they start bringing a better attitude and effort level to practice. What do you think their teammates say? You know, the, the number one thing they say is, you know, why are you working so hard? You know, what, are you trying to show off? You know, are you are you trying to look better than us? You know, you know, and, you know, the response really is I'm trying to get better. What are you doing here? And so when we start to change in different ways or, or go outside the norm and, and start doing things bigger, better and, you know, than before, we get held back a little bit. And socialization really, really affects us much more than we think it does. And so if you probably don't have enough people in your life saying, you know, hey, I'm concerned about you, you're, you're, you're working too hard, you're, you're coming up with all these great ideas, you know, you're, you're doing things way outside the box, then you're probably not pursuing your greatness as much as you can. So I think a lot of times we, we don't realize that. And then also, too, when we get feedback like that from teammates, it's kind of like, OK, I just want to fit in. I don't want to stand out. I, you know, I care too much about their opinions. And that's just not going to lead to anything special. So that is a, a great I mean, I, I love that story and that example. Have you ever heard of a guy he's passed since, but he ran an organization called the Pacific Institute up in Seattle, a guy by the name of Lou Tice? I'm not familiar with Lou. He wrote a book called um, Personal Coaching, and it's more it's not it's 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 like what you do, but for like a a business professional, you know, who's trying to perform at a high level. And one of the things he talks about in his book is, is getting stuck in your current reality. And I, I think this plays right into that whole concept of socialization and being drawn down to the average. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with being average, but it's it's if you're trying to, to move away from the average and to Im- improve yourself, improve your process, improve your relationships, and you don't have everybody around you on board with that, it's going to be a problem and you're going to stay stuck. So how, how, what's the process of, of coaching and developing that skill in the, the champion and in the relationships around him or her? You know, I, I think number one is uh, it can definitely help finding mentors that have been there and done that so they could relate to you and you could relate to them. You know, going for greatness uh, can be lonely at times. Uh, It's a hard journey and you have to do a lot of work on yourself and you have to do a lot of work in your craft. And so having someone that could just normalize it for you, like, you know, yeah, that was tough for me too during that time, you know, when I was building this or working on that can really help us feel less alone. You know, we feel like there's some like minds around us. The other thing too is just, you know, I think a lot of times that by doing that in our own life, we start to inspire other people around us, hopefully. So we could be a leader by example and, you know, we could enlist support from other people. So, you know, a teammate in the situation I was describing earlier could say, you know, you could say to your teammates, Hey, 
I'm trying to get better. Let's push each other. Let's be positive rivals today. You know, I'm going to, you know, let's egg each other on. Let's, you know, I'm going to beat you at this drill. I want you to beat me at this drill. Let's help each other get better today. And, you know, I think we're going to have more fun that way. And then, you know, I think the competition is going to not, you know, they're not going to have fun playing against us next time, you know, because we're going to be that much better. So let's push each other. But then when it's time to perform, let's really support each other. So, you know, I think it's it's letting others know kind of what you're doing and why you're doing it. I'm curious if if in your experience and in, in your, um, you know, your thought process or your philosophy, if if you have discovered that these great athletes or champions if there is a separation in terms of how people's brains are wired from their ability to process all of the the variables and the potential outcomes of play of sport and in life and the the thing i'm thinking about for example is like the average play in in football lasts 7 seconds and, and also the, the average career lasts about three years. And so you have these athletes that have to process all of these variables and different things in, in such a short period of time. And there's some people that, that rise to the top, and we all know their brand names. And there, there are a lot of athletes that are stuck in the middle. And I think about you could put you could apply the same question to track and field with like an athlete like Usain Bolt, who, you know, even though he's only running a hundred meters, there's so much that goes into there's so many variables that he and his body have to process. So have you discovered in your, in your experience working with all of these great champions and athletes uh, that, that they're wired differently? Well, I think they wire themselves differently by through mental training, you know, whether it's, working with someone else or, you know, just in terms of they're figuring it out, you know, in terms of uh, a process throughout the years. But, you know, the way I like to say that is, you know, no one is born with a champion's mind gene. You know, we we might not be physically built like Usain Bolt or, you know, let's say Michael Phelps in swimming, but there's nothing preventing us from thinking, feeling and acting like them to be our best. And I think that's the ultimate gold medal is, you know, when we're being the best that we can be, and it sounds kind of trite, but it's not because that's when we feel most alive. And to me, it's, you know, it's kind of like the finger pointing to the moon. You know, sometimes we get so focused on the finger that we forget the moon. And, you know, what I mean by that is the moon is really just being vitally involved in our life, doing the things that we value most. And so for some, someone, it might be a certain, you know, type of business for another person, it might be a particular sport. But at the end of the day, you know, peak performance is peak performance. So whatever you're doing, you know, try to master it, try to be world-class at it. And that's when we start separating ourselves from average because, you know, people around us might say, oh, you know, let's just get to the weekend, you know, or, you know, it's five o'clock, let's get out of here, you know, or, you know, it's just practice, let's just get through it and then, you know, have fun later. And that attitude, you know, might be comfortable in the moment, but, it's not a comfortable life because we know we're not fully ourselves or, you know, maximizing our potential. And I think that's when life is most fun. You know, I, I'd love for, 
for you to talk about how we can apply that kind of in, in the business sense too for entrepreneurs who are listening who who are who are trying to perform at peak peak levels but sometimes they just have to get through the day and get through the next meeting and focus on the present moment rather than what is to come how how would you coach that individual uh, do the same exact theories and processes apply to them? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think at the bottom line is it's about attitude. And your life, your day, you know, your your craft is in your own hands. And so how are you looking at it? And, you know, we can either look at it through the lens of a victim, which is, you know, I have to do this. I got to do this. You know, why is this happening to me? You know, this isn't fair. This is too hard. Or through the lens of a creator, you know, we're, our life is in our own hands, like I said. So, you know, why is this happening for me? You know, how can I rise to this challenge? You know, how can I crush it? You know, the rest of the day, how can I get the most out of this? And you could even think of Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, you know, sure he's acting, but he's darn good at it. And that's why we, you know, no one goes to a movie or follows a sports team about people trying to be average. You know, we get inspired by others like, okay, can they get through that? Can they overcome that? Can they beat that team? Can they, you know, can they, can they beat the odds? And that's how we need to look at our day and our life. I, I often wonder that with athletes of all different levels, but I, I think about Aaron Kafaro, who, who I just interviewed right before your episode aired. And one of the things that she talked about was how she, in, in her pursuit of two Olympic gold medals, she had to row. She was an Olympic rower. She had to row through tremendous amounts of pain, through broken ribs. And there was a lot of drive and purpose and passion in there that she was willing to suffer for in order to achieve this lifelong goal that she had had, that she had been working for since she was really little. And then suddenly she achieves this goal and she's devastated because it's over and it seems to me that with that happens a lot with peak performers and it's almost like a the dark side of peak performance so how can champions prepare themselves to ward that off in advance well forewarned is forearmed so like you're saying expect that that's going to happen and that could be after any major life event so a lot of times we fall into a little bit of a depression when we should be our most happiest, you know, like kind of what you're saying, you know, it could be after graduation, after a wedding, after finishing a big project, you know, after closing a business deal, you know, we think we're just going to be like, almost like it's a transcendent experience and we almost feel empty and alone and, you know, kind of what, what was going on there? Because our whole life revolved around it. That was our organizing principle, that, that task, you know, whether going for the Olympics or whatever we're talking about. And so the most important thing is it's normal, it's natural, it's okay, it's to be expected. And I think that's a time where you could, you know, do some good recovery tactics, you know, some some good relaxation exercises or just get away for a few days. But then also too is what's my next goal? You know, so you got to find that next challenge and it doesn't have to be as big, it could be a small one. So, you know, let's say, you know, there's a, a, a concept called the Ironman Blues, which is, you know, you almost feel like I'm going to be, you know, bigger than life when I finished my first Ironman. And then you feel kind of, even when you meet your best performance and reach your goals, you almost feel like we're talking about, you almost feel uh, empty. And so it might be just, okay, three weeks later, I'm going to do a 10K. 
And so it doesn't, you know, so then you have something to look forward to because, you know, then it's those questions about what if or what now, you know, okay, I know what if and I know what now. So I think it's a big concept that we don't talk about. So I, I think it's important for us to look at ourselves and when we're in those situations and it's like, okay, it's normal, but what am I going to do about it? And I think it also comes down to how you define success and happiness. And Tony Robbins talks about this a lot. He talks about being fulfilled as opposed to being successful. And like you have a lot of people that are extraordinarily successful, both in material ways as well as fame and whatever, but they're they're not fulfilled at all. They're miserable. They're depressed. And you have to, it's something I'm working on uh, constantly is, is trying to, to be fulfilled wherever I'm at because that's going to set me up to be success, successful in any situation. It's kind of this whole positive psychology type movement and, and a book I'm reading right now by Sean Aker called The Happiness Advantage, which is a great book. I'm not sure if you've ever read it, but it's, it's a phenomenal book. And it kind of, I want to segue into your second book because what we were just talking about, the dark side of peak performance and and coming off of a win and, and getting uh, pushing through this devastating pain and and winning and fulfilling your lifelong goal and then being bummed out and depressed and having the Iron Man blues as you as you said it. But your your second book, I think, and my own emotional response to your second book, which is the how champions recover, reflect, and reignite, is is even more powerful than your first book. And I don't know what it is about human nature that causes us to be so fascinated with the comeback. Do you, have you ever studied that? Well, you know, it probably at a real deep existential level, it's about being reborn and being renewed and overcoming death. You know, like when, when, you know, if you, if you're working on a business project for months at a time or years at a time, it's kind of, you know, even when it, when it's, you know, you seal the deal, so to speak, there's kind of a death of like, wow, I organized my whole life around it. Now that's gone, you know? And, so now who am I? What am I about? And, and so it's being reborn, being renewed. And it's kind of like the phoenix, you know, w- when it doesn't go well, it's kind of like we need to be that phoenix rising from the ashes. And so I think it's really powerful at a, at a kind of a deep level in our psyche. But it's also important because most of the time we're just struggling and, and hanging in there and adjusting and compensating. You know, we like to think about being in the zone all the time or crushing it all the time, but that's just not reality. You know, if we watch a regular, let's say, PGA Tour event, you know, we're watching the best players on the weekend that are maybe having the best week of their life and they're just showing the leaders. So we're not seeing seeing the other ones struggling and missing short putts and and not doing well. So we get a skewed idea of what peak performance is all about. You know, most of the time it's it's, uh, it's not pretty, you know, it's just having good, you know, like learning how to have good, bad days. You know, it's not like we're having perfect days out there. So the champions comeback is just, you know, if you really go after great things, you're going to have a lot of great, you know, big disappointments along the way. And, you know, what champions do, it's kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Terminator. It's just, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. You know, champions, they're hard to get rid of because they're just not going to give up. And I think that's ingrained. I think about Athletes like AJ Hawk, who was who kicked off the Champions Mindset Series, and we talked a lot about process. And then the same thing with with Juliet Starrett, who who had cancer, who had a very challenging labor and delivery that set her way back, 
And then a couple years later, she ends up competing in the CrossFit Games. And prior to that, she couldn't even do a push-up, you know. And and it's just this, it's this thing that that's that's like second nature to them. And but in my conversations with all of these people, it seems like it's been something that's that was almost they were almost born with, or that's been developed from a young age. And and so I'm curious how someone who maybe didn't have that that grit, if you will, or that tenacity from the from the get go, how they can begin to integrate that into their life. Yeah, a lot of it does come from good parenting, coaching, you know, teachers when we're young that, you know, when we mess up, they're not perfectionistic in the sense where why'd you make that mistake? And why weren't you perfect? Or you could have always done it better. It's more like, hey, what'd you learn? Or what was fun about that? Or what can we learn from this that's going to help us next time? So I think that that's important to, you know, and if we didn't get that, we need to reparent ourselves through our self-talk. So when you're catching yourself, you know, kind of we were talking about the Ironman blues, you know, a lot of times, even when it goes perfectly well, we still experience that because the organizing principle is gone. We need to find a new one for our life, you know, whether it's the next event or the next whatever. But when we're not doing well, that's when it's even more important because then our perfectionism comes out and we start going, you know, you said you were going to do this and you did that and you didn't reach your top goal. And so we just start ripping ourselves apart and, you know, and, and discounting ourselves, you know, a lot of times with elite athletes, I'll say, Hey, you know, good job last game. And they'll say, yeah, but I made that mistake in the third inning, you know, or I missed that pass in the first quarter. And it's like, yeah, but look what you did do. And so we tend to discount ourselves. We tend to rip ourselves apart. We tend to be too hard on ourselves. And then what happens is then we start getting really anxious and nervous and uptight about the next competition because we don't want to have it again. You know, and that's a perfectionistic approach. And I like it because it's, it's, you have high goals, but I don't like it because you're just being way too hard on yourself. And what you, the task that you're doing is, is hard enough as it is. You don't need to pour it on. So we all need to learn how to take a mastery approach, which is, you know, hey, I did this well. Give yourself credit where credit's due. What can I do better next time? And then you look forward to next time. You know, like, oh, now I'm coming with, you know, I'm, I'm better armed coming into the next competition. So you're focusing on what you want to have happen, not what you're afraid might happen. Should adults, should, should people who have, who are trying to develop that champion's mindset and that skill intentionally put themselves in adversarial situations where they know they have a high probability of failing so that one, they can learn how to fail and then two, learn how to get back up? Yeah, I I think we need to, you know, we we hold back too much, take risks, take chances, you know, Uh, you know, obviously be smart about it, but we, we play life too safely, I think. To me, it's it's that's where champions are made by number one, they take risks. And then number two is how they look at themselves and the situation when it doesn't come when they don't come through. And that's when they go, you know what, man, the greatest challenge in sports and life is how we bounce back when we've been knocked down or what, you know, other people might think we're knocked out and let's come back to fight another day. So Champions are made by, they don't overreact when things don't go well. They don't start going up, oh, see, I can't do this, uh, you know, uh, or that was so embarrassing. I never want to be in that situation again. They're like, I can't wait to get back in that situation again and test myself again. And that's the hard thing because in order to, you know, I think it was Jack Nicholas that said, 
people don't realize how many times you have to finish second before you could finish first. And it hurts to finish second, you know, because then people are, you know, you get a lot of grief for that. People are like, you know, what happened? What went wrong? You didn't win. You know, look at the Olympics. You know, someone finishes in second or third place in the world in their in their event and they're they're asked what went wrong. But if but if you finish like 40th place, people are like, hey, good job. You know, so it's almost (laughs) like the closer you get to your goals, the more grief you get when you don't reach them. And so I think consciously or, or maybe subconsciously, we're like, that hurt. That was painful. That was embarrassing. You know, I don't ever want to be in that situation again. So we hold ourselves back instead of like, I can't wait to get there because nothing bad could really happen. You know, I'm either, you know, I'm, I, I'm either going to do it or I'm not. And I'm either going to win or I'm going to learn. You know, there really is no true losing when you're going after great. So there's the ego right and and using that example of somebody coming in second place or third place and and just getting asked that ridiculous question and but it, it definitely hurts their pride and their ego because they've worked so hard what are some of the other common setbacks that champions face when we when we're going after big things in life we don't get a lot of positive feedback you know we're kind of from other people and you know, because if we do something well, it's like, oh, you're just good at that. And when we don't do something well, see, I told you you couldn't do it. So, you know, it's like, so the way I kind of say it is, is life is supposed to test you. It's not supposed to praise you, you know, when you're, when you're going after big things. So I think part of that is realizing when you're being tested a lot, you're on the right track. And we almost feel like maybe I'm not because I'm not getting a lot of positivity from others. So I think that's important to keep in mind. That's why you got to be positive with yourself. So I'm a 49ers fan, a disgruntled one for the past couple of years. But, you know, this this season has been uh, really, really bad. And uh, I think I mean, I haven't even watched uh, that many games, but I believe we're like one in 10. (laughs) And uh, so I just imagine you have all of these athletes that are playing at this incredibly high level on really the world stage. And they've they've got all of these expectations on them. And at this point, they know that they have like no chance of winning a championship at all. How do you, how do you keep playing at, at the, at a peak level at that point, what drives them to continue to do better? Well, this is where ego can maybe be used in the right way where you say, you know, in the wrong way would be, you know, this is embarrassing. Let's get through the season. You know, what the heck happened? You know, that's not going to help help. You know, I think maybe taking some pride and saying, you know what, no one's going to finish these last four or five games better than us. You know, let's shock the world. We have a chance to do something crazy here, finish strong, and then go into the offseason and really take a hard, cold look at the whole season, pull out the positives, dump the negatives, and then next year we're coming in better than ever. So, you know, I think even when things seem impossible or you know, that what's the point? I think champions still find a point and still find a way to get the job done or at least give their best effort. And and so I, I like the idea of standards more than, you know, expectations. What are our standards? And our standards is we're, our, our ultimate goal is always to win the next game one play at a time. That should always be our standard. So whether we're, you know, one and nine or nine and one, that's our attitude going into next game. So, so champions really play every single game or, or strive to play every single game as though it, and it in and of itself is a championship level match. Yeah. It's a championship level match and it's a fun opportunity to 
you know, flex your talents and enjoy what you do. You know, we, we all get misled by the destination and, and the joy really is in the walking. You know, a lot of times we look at it backwards, you know, like once I start doing better or, you know, we start doing better as a team, then let's start having fun. And, you know, it's really like, it should be the other way around. The more fun we have, then the better we'll start doing. And so you could have your cake and eat it too. You could have fun and that will help you play better. And when you really look at the, the best athletes in the world, the best performance in the performers in the world, the best business, you know, folks in the world, they really love what they do. And so that should be first and foremost, like, this is cool. This is fun. You know, and think about, you know, even the 49ers, this is really cool. Let's do this for ourselves and for our team and, you know, for our city, you know, our fans and our, for our city, you know, let's, let's, let's be inspiring here the rest of the way. I love what you said a moment ago about when, when champions like in the 49ers situation where they're, you know, they have a, a terrible season record, but champions in, even in the midst of failure and adversity still find a point. And I love, I love that. You know, we've covered a lot in our conversation today. We've talked about the importance of body language, how the struggles of moving away from the average while still remaining humble, the, the different strategies to uh, develop your mental strength and so much more. If there's one thing that you want people to remember from our conversation, what would it be? You know, the theme of the Champion's Mind book is uh, think gold and never settle for silver. So, you know, this isn't this isn't preseason. You know, your life isn't preseason. This is this is it. And so why settle for silver? Go for gold. You know, think big and never settle. I love it. We will definitely list the books and, and your social media uh, channels in the show notes. But is there any other place we should send people to learn more about you? You know, my website is uh, goldmetalmind.net and uh, Twitter is at goldmetalmind. Awesome. Well, Dr. Jim Afromo, thank you so much for joining us on, on the show. Uh, we're gonna Your episode's going to air right before Christmas, so I wish you a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and Happy New Year. You too, Mike, and uh, thanks for having me on and uh, best to you and all the listeners. Dr. Jim Afromo, awesome insight about the champion's mind and how we can all train our minds to perform at peak levels in sport, life, and business. I love what you said about how life is not a preseason game and we should go for the gold and not settle for silver. If you missed any of the key points, we've got you covered. Visit theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash 38 for all the key points and highlights of our conversation. And while you're there, be sure to support our sponsors, the Lawton Marketing Group and Unstuck Life Courses. They are awesome and we are blessed to have them. Share your ideas and talents by joining our amazing Facebook community that's growing and great things are happening there. And you can do that by searching for The Impact Insiders in Facebook, or you can go to the website and, and, law, and opt in there at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash group. Thank you, Cody and the Podcast Masters team for helping me produce a quality show. Until next time, go make an impact.